Welcome to Dumb Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Fury. Here we talk all things wellness, business, and relationships. Don't get it twisted. There's nothing dumb around here. Playing dumb can actually work to your advantage because it illustrates the power of communication. In each episode, there's something you'll receive that you can apply to help build more success in your life. So talk less, listen more, and play dumb, and let the guests share their wisdom. Enjoy. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Dumb Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Fury. Today, we have my one of my favorite people in the real estate industry, and it's not because he had $500 million in sales last year. It's because he's the coolest fucking dude in the industry. <laughs> Raz, I'm going to chop and butcher your last name, but people do that to mine. But welcome to Dumb Girl Podcast. Dembechian? Actually, it was pretty good. Oh, pretty nice. Pretty good. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people add more letters to my last name. I'm like, I got 10 letters. I don't need any more. What do they say? Denbergian. People don't say Fury correctly. I've heard everything. How do you mess up Fury? Fury. I've heard Furly, Furry. I'm like, Fury. It's Fury. <laughs> A lot of dyslexic people in the world. <laughs> Welcome to Dumb Girl Podcast. Oh, pleasure. But really, really thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. I mean, can we just start 500 million in sales last year? Last year. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Three inspectors. Just three of you guys. Three inspectors. We were tapping into the ultra luxury um, high-end property market. So uh, the like the one we did was for $87 million. It was listed originally out in Bel Air. Sarbonne? Uh, Sarbonne, yeah. 777 Sarbonne. Um, we did that for the auction. Went to auction and it sold for half the price because that house was a brand new developed property, 21,000 square foot livable space. However, maybe... 40 safety hazards, including code violations. So it was a complete disaster on foundation. Um, the other, we had another one for- Wait, wait, hold on for a second. What comes up that that it turns into such a- Well, well let's see, one of the main things was you have nine AC condensers, which essentially sucks in air from the cold, from the outside and condenses it to provide cooling into the inside of the property. Um, you have nine of them, which is fine. However, the code, for example, you know, tells you that you need to have five feet from the top of the condenser, have clearance for adequate air suction. And this guy built a, an exterior wood deck on top of the condenser with only like five or six inch clearance. So you're walking on the condensers. I said, that's a code violation. And he claimed to me, he was getting really upset. He was saying to me that the city inspector passed him already. And I keep telling a lot of people, I said, city inspectors get paid salary. They're engineers for one. They have a four-year bachelor's degree, and they're engineers. They get paid salary about seventy-five thousand to eighty-five thousand dollars a year. Whether they're in the house for five minutes or they're out of the in the house for five hours, they're getting paid the same. So they want to get the job done real quick. And also on these high-end properties, sorry to break it to everyone, but a lot of them get paid off. What do you mean they get paid off? As in, they would come up to you and say, "Okay, well, can you just pass me on this or whatnot, and we'll give you a few grand here, a few grand there, pocket money, and." Hush, hush. To the city. To the city. Oh, got and it. They just pass, 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 pass. Mm. To the city inspector, mm. whoever that inspector was. So I come around and I come around and say like, well, this is your problem. And he claimed that he, first he claimed that he got the city inspection was passing. And I explained to him, I said, if you show me a city inspection report that says this passes, I will wire transfer you a hundred grand right now. Five days I don't hear from him. So it was a, that's like one of the things. I mean, the other thing was, I checked with a thermal imaging infrared camera across every wall and ceiling in the entire property. 
and I notice a lot of water collection in every wall and ceiling, which mm. means it le- indicates that you have a leak. You have a water leak from probably the rain or weather elements. So it was it was it was pretty disastrous. After that property, I did a property for thirty three million. I did another property for sixty eight million. I did one for one twenty. Uh, then like in God knows how many, like in the ten to what fifteen. Who was the million. one on one twenty? I'm trying to think. One twenty was. was, if I'm not mistaken, I remember. I think I, I think know which one you're talking about, but I don't know. Williams and Williams. I, th- I think it was Brandon. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I know that I think Mauricio had, they had one that was like one twenty. I forgot. I forgot what. I forget the address. I, this was I a while ago. I honestly it. don't remember. I, maybe it was Williams and Williams, or maybe it was somebody else. I really don't remember. <laughs> um, but. The inspection where I do for a 2,000 square foot house versus something that's like 20,000 or 30,000, it's the same inspection. The only difference is I have more things to inspect. Mm. But they use a lot of cheap material for all these new build properties. I've realized that it's not the cheaper proper, the cheaper material, but it's also these contractors or these builders for that matter, the subs are the ones that do the job. The builders don't do anything. The builders are there to put their name behind us saying that we built this. They're like an architect. An architect may design the house, but they don't go actually go in there and you know nail studs to the wall. The subs are doing that. But subs are getting paid for each day for each project. And they that one sub maybe has two, three different projects in the same day or the same week. So if one guy is paying him more money than you are, he's gonna try to quickly finish up your job and go to that guy. When he goes to that guy, well, guess what happens to your project? It gets either messed up or it's delayed or they claim that it's delayed from labor um, um, materials. So it's a really, it's, it's, a, it's a strange predicament that the sellers or the builder or the clients actually, or even the, most of the time the agents don't know what this is, but I'm in the industry from a long time ago from the construction de- uh, days. And it's a constant, constant <laughs> reoccurring problem. And I come in there and you don't hire me for a pre-listing inspection, God help you if I have represent the buyer. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but you were doing construction before inspection because I know that you were in the Navy. I was. I was. That was before the construction days. Um, the Navy, I was there for three years. Um, I was supposed to do four years, but my ship got decommissioned, so we got out early. But I was based in San Diego, completed two separate deployments, six months each to South America for counter-enlisted drug operations. Wow. Yeah, so wow, essentially cool. we were catching coke lords and dealers on speedboats and stuff. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. cares about houses? Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me a cool story that went on? Oh, well, there I'm is there's one that. specific story that's still stuck in my head only because I was the one that did it. But um, so after standing like an eight hour watch straight uh, without sleeping at all, you know, I have to stand there in the middle of the night. This is at like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. And I'm wearing contacts at the time because my eyes were that bad. And I took my contacts off when I switched watches, about to go down to birthing to our sleeping quarters, which is like three bunk beds stacked on top of each other. And I just about fell asleep for like five minutes and all of a sudden somebody wakes me up and goes, you need a man scat. I'm like, oh God, you can't go to anybody else, it have to be me. They're like, well, you're the lowest ranking guy in the division. I'm like, damn it. So I got up to man scat, which means you have to man the 50 cal uh, guns because apparently they're, we're gonna catch some Coke dealers right now on the speedboat. They put the nine vision goggles on, I put it on. We're in condition, uh, what was it? Condition three, which means there's a round in the chamber, but we haven't, we're not ready to fire yet. 
you have to wreck it back twice. My ch usually that's where drills or whatnot. It's always condition three and that's it. This time he goes, put it in condition one. I said, what? And he goes like, yeah, yeah, we're about to fire. I said, fire at what? I don't see anything. He's like, do you see that little yellow green dot about maybe three, 400 yards away? I said, yeah. He goes like, well, that's a speedboat. And the second I said that, it's like Morse code. All I heard was, I'm like, what's going on? He goes like, they're shooting at us with AKs and Uzis. And that's the sound of the bullets hitting the ship. I said, what the hell are you supposed to do with the Uzi and the AK? It's not even going to take off the paint. We're 40 feet across pure steel. What are you going to do on the warship? He goes, put it in condition one. You're ready to fire. I said, can you repeat that, chief? And he literally just yelled at me, waste of motherfuckers. I'm like, and I just went, I can't see anything. So I just put my uh, my arm in a like circular motion and I just started firing away. I was supposed to shoot 50 rounds, but I shot the entire box, which was about 100 rounds of 50 cal rounds. And whatever I was hitting, I was hitting the water. I hit a dolphin. I don't know. I'm just going around in circles. I'm 22 years old. And one of my my buddies, he took my um, uh, earphones out so because the thing is super loud. And he put the iPod piece in. And he was playing Metallica Enter Sandman while I'm firing at these guys. <laughs> so whenever they tell, tell you that military, like, oh, it's a very serious thing. Like, we're going to go and kill people. We're gonna do this. It's, it's a very serious thing. Absolutely not. It's a freaking, uh, I think of the U.S. Navy as one big college fraternity with missiles. That's essentially what it is. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah. And apparently I shot three guys, but didn't kill them. Thankfully, because I was I was adrenaline rush. I was like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm gonna set these guys to hell. And then the second the adrenaline went away, I'm like, oh shit, am I gonna go to hell? I just killed three guys. But they told me straight up at the end, they're like, yeah, you didn't kill him. You just shot one of the guy's arms off and you just hit the couple guys and we're gonna send him to LEDET, which is Law Enforcement Detachment Group, Coast Guard, to arrest him and take him to the States. And then you deployed it for three years and then went into construction? Yes, I did uh, the two deployments after that. It was about, about a two year total um actually one year total and then two years on land um after that i got into construction i went and got my um as degree in construction management and i started working for belfour beauty as an assistant project manager and the biggest project that i was ever on which it sucked it got shut down by osha inspectors because the the, the family that the investment group that was building this property this huge huge property in orange county they didn't have scaffolding permits. So it was a $600 million project at the time. Wow. Where was this? On the corner of Beach Boulevard and Orange Thorpe Boulevard. Mm. They were going to be building a seven-story parking structure to mesh in with a um, uh, mall, essentially. So that got shut down. But for coming from the construction side, I know how these guys work. I know what's needed to for code. And by the way, the code, building code in general, it changes every three years. So... What was good three years ago, it's not what it is now. It keeps getting revised. Um, and then afterwards, my wife is telling me, she goes, Raz, you know, you're, you, you, I, I moved from assistant project manager to quality control inspector. And my wife goes like, you should be a home inspector on the side. I was like, why? Why would I want to be a home inspector? It was like, oh, because they make a lot of money or whatever. I'm like, are you kidding me? We paid our guy for a condo like 150 bucks. Like, I'm going to wear a tool belt and get licensed for 150 bucks for why? She goes, Raz, you know how to talk. You know the, all the right people in the right places. You do a really good job. You're super anal about every little thing possible in, in the property. Just give it a shot. I was like, all right. So I did. I've been doing this for eight years, but I only started going after it hardcore within the past three years during COVID. 
So it was kind of like, I don't, I mean, nobody knew who I was. I tried going after Maurizio. I tried using, uh, going after Aaron Kerman. I started going after uh, Altman Brothers, um, Sally Forrester Jones, um, God, uh, Hilton and Highland, you know, David Kramer, which now became the president of Hilton, Hilton and Highland. Nobody gave me the time of day. They didn't even let me in the parking lot. <laughs> they were literally telling me like, who are you again? I'm sorry, uh, we, we don't know who Magnum Opus Inspections is. No, I'm sorry, we're gonna use somebody else. I said, okay. After doing a few free inspections for a lot of people, they started seeing my detail and I started meeting the right people and they started recommending me. And I knocked it out of the park. I was hitting you know, Grand Slam home runs on every property inspection to the point where I made the agents look really good to their own clients. At the end of the day, your client may love you, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, yeah, the only reason why you're with me is because you want that commission check. So if I make the agent look amazing to their own client as a third party, the client will be like, oh my God, thank you, Raz, but they're gonna give all the business <clears throat> to that agent that brought me in to help them out. Last one was there was an agent that I work with from AKG, from Aaron Kerman Group. He gave me the biggest hug last week after I went to the office. He said to me that, Last year, I inspected a investment property for his daughter, a sixplex in South Bell, South LA. In that market last year, they got back $75,000 back from the seller as repair credits wow. based off of my report. Wow, that's incredible. I so. mean, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Wait, so you went hard two years ago. What did you do to go hard? And how do you make agents look good? So how I go hard is, I guess the military kind of taught me, kind of ingrained it in my mind, to have no fear of anyone, of anything. At the end of the day, they're all human. I just kept going, talking to everyone I can talk to. And I, it's always, I actually have two uh, agents right now that I'm actually mentoring on how to do better on business practices and salesmanship. I straight up told them that you need to contact everyone and talk to them about real estate. Real, doing real estate is not just a part-time job or a, oh, I wanna make one or two commission checks, I'm good to go. This is a lifestyle change. Yeah. Every single day, it's real estate. You're going out to dinner, you're talking real estate. You're gonna go home, you're gonna look up real estate listings or whatnot. You're gonna, everything about you is real estate. The more you're familiar with that subject in life, the more fluid it's gonna come out of your mouth and it'll be much more receptive for the, uh, from the client. Um, what was your other question, sorry. How do you make agents look good? Okay, so <clears throat> if I, I, so for example, like today's inspection, I did an inspection for the seller. Uh, two properties, main house and the guest house. Now, for the seller is a different story because I'm looking at major components only. But if I was doing it for a buyer, a full thorough inspection, what I'm doing is I'm providing, seeing, finding all the issues, major, minor safety hazards that is or it can be if it's left untreated. And I put that down super easy on the report. So what I provide to you as an agent is now it's time for you to go get repair credits. But how do you know what to go get repair credits for or how much it is if you don't have a good inspector that's gonna be super, super thorough with the property? You don't wanna put your client in a property that's an inspector that says, oh, everything's good, don't worry about it, everything's fantastic. Okay, the inspector takes your money and goes and he's done. But if that client moves in and within a one week or two week time frame, something goes wrong in that house, they're gonna be blaming you on why you put them there. Good luck trying to come back from that. So what I do is I provide all of the information ahead of time, give it as a silver platter to the agent, agent sells it to the listing agent to get money back. And when they get money back to the client, 
the client's not going to be thanking me. The client's going to be thanking the agent. <laughs> so that's, it's like, oh yeah, we want to work with clients. That's great. But we'd rather work with agents that refer us to the clients. So if we make the agent look good, the agent will refer more business to us. At the same time, the client is always going to be happy. And they're going to be using that one agent every time continuously. So it's like one big love triangle. And now you work with all those agents. I work I with all those agents, yeah. And last week you met Julia Garner. Yeah, yeah, Julia Garner. Julia was really awesome. My mom is a super diehard fanatic, like fan of hers. So I kind of, I told her, I'm like, look, Julia, I mean, I've, I've watched you on Ozark. I've watched you on Inventing Anna. Like, you're freaking flawless. Uh, it's like perfect precision, like acting. And she's like, thank you, thank you. And I said, look, I don't ever do this because I'm always, I, I'm around celebrities when I do these big properties. But my mom's a big, big time fan of yours. Is it? Do you mind? And she goes like, "Oh, take a picture with me." Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Oh, so I did a really selfie, sweet. and she gave me a hug at the end. She goes like, "You're super thorough. Like, I, I got recommended to you by one of my other friends that you did an inspection for." I'm like, a "Celebrity or just rent, like average person?" She was like, "No, no, celebrity. She's she's an actress. I forgot her name. God, I'm so bad. I just know her because I've watched her shows. But it was some other actress, and apparently there's a pool of actors and actresses' friends." They're all know each. They all you know. They're all friends with each other. And apparently, my name got in the middle of it by saying, "You got to go use Raz. He's the best at what he does." You are. So it's. <clears throat> I take it as. Every inspection that I do, or I train my guys, if do it as if you're doing. You're, you're going to be buying the house yourself. The clients are relevant on the mind when you're in the middle of the inspection. Yeah. Put as much detail as you can. This is the problem that I have an issue with inspectors in California. California has one of the most strictest building codes known to man next to California would be New York. Every other state in California is super relaxed. They really don't care. There's no safe code violation, nothing. But at the same time, almost every tradesman in California is licensed. There's a state licensing board for it. Home inspector is the only one that doesn't have a state licensing board. Oh, wow. Anybody mm -hmm. can take a course online for one month. Boom, you're a home inspector. <laughs> And I'm one of those guys that are super vocal. I'm like, you guys need to get like, we need to get licensing board in here. It'll weed out 90% of the garbage that's out there that's giving false testaments to the property to agents and clients. But I mean, a lot of people that use me, they all know me as as you're 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 not cheap. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm far from it. Well, you're like a luxury. You're kind of, but you come in, you you can consider yourself like a luxury inspector or brands or whatever it is. But you you. You have the other person's best needs at heart. Is that the way you say it? You have their best needs at heart? I do because I take it personal. I know they say a lot that in business, don't take anything personal. But this is not personal. They're not business to me. This is personal because I'm, I'm essentially telling the client either, yay, this is a good house or nay, this is a bad house. And if I tell them, yes, it's a good house and I missed a few things, that's a problem. Because now he's just going to be like, oh, well, that little $50, $100 fix repair that I didn't do that you didn't cash to begin with, now it's going to cost me close to seven grand. Sometimes I think that success creates confidence as well as the work that we have to do to create the confidence to get to the success in your experience because you, you obviously know your shit when it comes to homes and you're very confident when you speak about it. Is this something that you've worked on throughout from the Navy to now, or was it something that through your own experience and gaining success in your business has, has helped you become confident? Well, that's a good question. The Navy 
Navy taught me a lot of discipline, whether it's directly or indirectly. So it was more like whatever you do, whatever job you do, I mean, I mean, verbatim, this is literal, it's not even exaggerating. Our chiefs and our officers would tell us, if you mess up on this job that we're giving you to do, something as simple as cleaning the bulkhead, like cleaning the walls or sweeping up the floor, if you mess up, someone's going to die because of your mess up. Someone's going to slip and fall and crack their neck and someone's going to die. So with that extreme, like, I wouldn't consider it a brainwash, but more like extreme, like discipline, they ingrain in your mind that stays with you for the rest of your life. So therefore anything I touch that I have to put my name behind it or my company's name, it's hundred percent perfection. It can't, there's no room for, you know, oops, sorry, I'm human. I made a mistake. Oh, sorry. My, my wife's on my mind or my family. We're not going through some good times right now. None of that. that that's irrelevant. You leave it at the door. That discipline that's been instilled from the Navy days and construction makes it even worse because now there's a lot of legalities behind it. Then you get into home inspections. I am super, super, super adamant to my guys that you always have to be perfect precision on everything. There's no such thing as mistakes. And I mean, my, my guys, when I first training was, I was first training them, I was telling them straightforward, ask me every question you have. I'll tell you what it is. But don't tell me that, oh, I got this, and then comes around that the client calls me back and goes, yeah, your guy kind of messed up. He didn't check this thoroughly. Where is this at? Which wall is this? Makes me look bad. My my guys are not marketing. My guys are not, you know, going around talking to different agents or whatnot to see if they want to use this or whatnot. They're waiting until I give them an inspection to do. I'm the one that's going around and talking to everyone. I'm, I'm in Beverly Hills three, four times a week, and I live... In traffic, I'm about an hour and a half northeast of it. That's where I live. Mm. I'm near Pasadena. I'm in Monrovia. What do you do on a day-to-day basis to maintain that discipline? Being so disciplined, your I life takes a lot of work. I constantly try to learn new things, specifically <clears throat> code required, even though it's not part of my job because I'm not a code inspector. I'm not, gonna guy, I'm not a guy that says this is against code. I know some things that are against code because I take passion in what I do but it's not something that's needed. But I like to learn. I constantly watch YouTube clips. I constantly listen to a lot of YouTube motivational uh, videos. Perfectly speaking, one of my favorite mo- like motivational like speaker is Denzel Washington. Oh, cool. He is a solid, solid, solid guy. And I've, from all the books I've read from different authors and listening to so many people, I've realized that there's no excuses. There's no such thing as I can't do this because the market's bad. I can't do this because this guy's switching, you know, his mind all the time. I can't do this because of that. That's bullshit. A lot of people don't want to take accountability for their own actions or lack thereof. They don't want to. It's easy for them to blame something else, to cover up the fact that they're a failure. If you say to yourself, I'm a failure, and you really recognize all the issues that you need to to remedy, that's a perfect place to start from and now to move forward. But if you don't accept your responsibility, you just keep digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're going to be even more frustrated and you're never going to be successful in life. And I think when you take responsibility, there's a lot of positivity that can come from that because you're going to want to find out what you can do better. You're going to want to, I mean, unless you complete, you're just like an egomaniac and you're just like, I'll, I'll try something or I'll just continue to do it my way. But when, it's sort of, 
I like to ask people questions so I can, I have to use my own experience. When I take responsibility for something, I then can ask questions and say, am I doing this right? And get feedback. What is a suggestion that you would make? What works for you? What can I implement from what you're doing that is creating success to then implement into my business to create success? And I'm now I'm going to turn that into a question. What is something that you've taken in your business? I mean, 500 million, that's Raz. That's amazing. And three guys. Three so guys. it's like, let's, let's Actually, it was looking at that and, and implementing, implementing what you've done and making suggestions or whatever it is that you can give to someone else or even just talk about what has worked for you. That would be so great. Of, of learning or of actually making it successful in any kind of in business. Actual in action that you've taken to. Well, to be, let's see, direct. I, I mean, would, motivational speeches really help, but it's the, the action the, the that comes action. from so it. So perfect <clears> example, <throat> I would say, master the art of selling on the phone. People are always against it. They don't want to, oh, but I said, because if you sell somebody in person, that's the easiest thing you can possibly do. Because if they, they're not interested, they'll try to stay interested to be polite so they don't just walk away rudely. Or they might cuss you out, I don't know. But it's easier in person. On the phone, if they don't like, want to talk to you, they'll just hang up the phone. How do you master the art of being good at selling on the phone? You have a rebuttal for every answer that you're trying to sell to someone. So for example, as an agent, you call somebody, let's say in uh, Encino or Beverly Hills, wherever, it doesn't matter, Van Nuys. And you, before you contact anybody in those cities, you have to know everything about that city. Everything from what the hedges look like, what color is the grass? Does it need watering? Does not? Is it a good? Is it a friendly dog walking place? Cat walking? Cat you know, walking? Cat, cat walking? Cat walking? Sorry, <laughs> got into it. This is L.A. There may be cat walking. Cat walkers. I had a client one time who had a pig, and she would show up to the training sessions with a pig. So <laughs> anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> the, is it a safe neighbor, neighborhood? Is it mostly single family homes? Is it mostly apartments, condos? You got to know everything, ins and outs about it before you contact that, the residents in that city. And then when they pick up the phone, they're going to think that you're trying to tell, uh, convince them to sell their property. Don't. You don't have to have, make them sell their property and be a listing. Explain to them on how to expand their portfolio. Ask them what they do for a living. If they're an older person, they're probably retired. Okay, if you're retired in LA and you're not making minimum $100,000 a year from that retirement, you're living in the wrong state or better yet, but wrong, wrong, wrong city for that matter. So my thing is, is that why don't you expand your knowledge onto exp uh, buying more properties, giving out to rent, have positive, positive cash flow coming in. And also it's a one hell of a tax write-off. So explain that to them, like, don't you want to like, you know, expand more? I can get you into a property to purchase, still live here, but rent this out. Rent and rental income payment for the mortgage is about, let's say a small condo. It's about $1,800 a month. Charge them 2,500, do some remodeling into the condo. Spend like five, 10 grand, a small little one bedroom, one bath, 800, 900 square foot condo and do some remodeling, get some positive. And then you'd be making about six, $700 a month extra consecutively every month and every year just raise it up five percent who cares that's money coming in everybody wants to live in la because the money's here the businesses are here the parties are here the celebrities are here everything's in la so why not capitalize 
I have a condo that I rent out in Pasadena right now. I mean, it's $1,800 a month. I'm charging them $2,500 a month. That's 700 bucks every month, consecutive. They want to live here. Why? Because the, the girlfriend lives like two, three blocks away. They can walk to work. I'm like, why not? And it's a one bedroom, by the way, mm -hmm. 900 square feet. I mean, it's, it's insane. It blows my mind on how you, you can find problems. Uh, owning a business or running a business or as yourself as a real estate agent, technically you're, 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 you're your own business. You're, you're the face of the company. It's only you. <clears throat> your company is the one that just does the transaction. In my opinion, you need to be hardcore at everything. If you're good at, you know, like one of my mentees right now, one of my uh, agents that I'm mentoring, she's in the, she's a model, entertainment industry. She gets paid to go to Bahamas, wear a bikini and roll around in the sand. Okay, whatever floats your boat, do your thing. <laughs> so you're getting paid, good for you. But my point is, is that she, ha I'm like, well, you need to get in contact with entertainment industry from other models, from producers, from photographers, videographers, and it's difficult for me to enter that world because I'm coming from the outside. But when you're already in the inside, who do you think they're going to contact when it comes to real estate? You're already a part of that world. They trust you. This whole thing is about trust. I mean, I mean, Jesus, I wanted to, a lot of people, now, I'm not trying to get racial here, but a lot of people, they get very angsty about a specific ethnic group in L.A., I'm going to say it right now. Everybody, um, they say they say a lot of things about specifically Jews. I've said to them, I said, Jews are my favorite clients. I'm Jewish. Yeah. Are you really? <laughs> Listen, it's a whole other story. I found that I was Jewish four years ago, but I grew up Catholic and. Wow. Is lightning going to strike you right now? I'm going to move away for a second. No. <laughs> but sometimes when I tell people that, they're like, oh, I can tell. And I'm like, you could tell. You've known me. My <laughs> people have come up to me saying, are you Russian Jewish? I'm like, no, why? They're like, dude. And people are like, like, oh, what? we what can my tell. They're like, oh, we can tell. And now I just just say I'm everything. Like I'm both, you know, I grew I'm up. I'm a citizen Catholic. of the world. <laughs> they say because I red hair, my nose and all that stuff. They're my favorite clients, though. Redheads? I love redheads. Oh, oh my god! Don't, don't please don't get me started on redheads. You guys are unicorns in my eyes. Super rare commodity. Super rare. But but uh, the the like working with the Jews, for example, they don't trust you from the get go. Armenians are the same way. But once you gain their trust, they will share you out to the rest of the kingdom. Which I love Jews because I've gained their trust. I've hooked them up royally. I don't think there's a lot of racism around that in LA. Oh, my, my friends I think have. there's just so much. Friend of mine, Ari, um, I grew up with. He was Jewish. <clears throat> His mom hated me. Dad loved me. And uh, he was getting bullied in uh, Orange County because I, I grew up in Orange County. And um, I was always, you know, like trying to protect him or whatnot. And so we became friends. And then he came to LA. I came to LA. And a uh, lot more people were being more racial and prejudicial and doing racial slurs to him and making jokes about him left and right. And he's always been the type where he's more of the, he's like the brain. And then you'd see like the muscle would come around. So with this beautiful fat, you know, body, I was the muscle. So I'm kind of like the type, I don't like, I've been bullied. I don't like, you know, uh, I don't like bullies period. And uh, actually one of my bullies in Orange County actually asked me for a job about a year ago, year and a half ago. Yeah. When did he bully you? When I was a kid, like in elementary school, middle school, ninth grade. Because I wasn't, uh, I look super white, but I don't have a typical white name. And, oh, so they bullied you based off of your 
your name and and ethnic background. What what uh, the hell is an Armenian? I'm like nothing crazy, just a seven thousand year old race. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna turn a corner with that, but. Did that lead you to go into the Navy and take the route that you've taken with like? I was insecure when I was younger. I was a partier in high school, girls, guys. I mean, when I came to LA, um, these are mostly like Armenians. Not, they all knew me as where, where's the, where's the party going to be at? Where back in the day it was house parties. House parties were the places to be, not nightclubs. Nightclubs where I'm going to pay money to go get all dressed up at a nightclub and spend more money on alcohol. Just go to a house party. It's free. So, I was just a partier, constant, constant partier. Everybody knew me, but I was always lonely. I didn't have real friends. These friends just called me whenever they wanted to know where's the next party. So I was like, and I was at the same time doing loans. I was a mortgage loan officer back from the 2004 to 2008 during that crash era. And I was doing every job that my father was pretty much telling me to get into. Like, do this job, it's good for you. Do this job, it's good for you. Do this job, it's good for you. And I was bouncing and failing and failing and failing and failing. And I was like, you know what, forget this, I'm done. I'm like, I want to go and do something that I want, that nobody can tell me. And once I signed a contract, I, there's no coming back. So I thought, it's military. Now, at the time, I was playing a lot of Counter-Strike on the computer. Killing people, you know, all that, you're a soldier, all that oh, stuff. Oh, Counter-Strike is a game? The game. Oh, I thought it was like a gambling Oh, thing. no, the game. <laughs> oh, and wow. I wanted to be in the Marines. Oh, wow. And my dad's telling me, he's like, if you join the Marines, I'll kill you before you go to war. Mm. And my mom was like, are you kidding me? You're going to, why? And I'm like, then I realized, I'm like, wait, if I die, I can't respawn in the game. If I'm dead, I'm dead. I'm like, no, forget that shit. <laughs> so I went and... And I'm like, okay, which, one's, which one sees the world? And everybody said Navy. I'm like, all right, I'll go to Navy. And I also did it for two reasons. One, to better myself, to have the confidence to do something more with my life. But I also did it as a second note as, as a thank you to the U.S. government for granting my parents' citizenships from Iraq when they didn't have to. Because mm -hmm. my mom came to the country when she was six. Wow. My That's dad came really in 1980 kind. once Saddam took over. So it was kind of like that... Thank you. And I've realized from immigrants in general, no matter what background, they come to this country and for all the flaws that the United States has, for all the flaws internally, it is still the light of the world. I've been around to a lot of countries and I've seen how dark those countries can be. And I've seen the real oppression that happens in those countries. At US, they look at you like, dude, you're not oppressed, you're spoiled. Like, just move on with your day. Who cares? Like, LA, there's a little earthquake that happened, a little earthquake today, and everybody's. I'm marked safe on Facebook from oh, this really? earthquake. I'm like, dude, are you serious? It's 4.2. Like, it's nothing, man. That's me, like, me walking across the living room floor. Like, it's not a big deal. But it's, it's, it's like, come on. Like, it's, like. I barely use Facebook anymore. Oh, it's. I need to be either retired, over 50, children, married, or something. Well, Every once in a while, I'll pop my little head in. Well, Say got, what's up. I've got, well, you look young enough. That's fine. But I've, I've had, you know, people come up to me. Raz, what are you, like 55 years old? I'm like, what a dick, bro. I'm 36. Oh. And they're just like, but I'm sorry, Raz. It's probably because, I'm like, what, because of my natural breasts? Maybe that's why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hot Cheetos and Dr. Pepper. Oh, my God. Breakfast gosh. of champions. Listen, I still, I still have health programs that I work with people with. But you went into the Navy, and now you, you would you say that was the medicine that helped 
with your confidence? Yeah, I know with your discipline, but with your confidence. For sure, because you're dealing with multi-million dollars worth of equipment. And mm. you're also sleeping in a birthing hole, which is about 90 guys. Boot camp was like 90 guys in one room. It's practically county jail. Mm. I mean, yeah, we got into fights in the Navy. There's a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, but nobody wants to remember the bad times. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on in, in, in the military. I mean, a lot of stuff that people don't want to really want to remember. But it kind of molds you into, like, it's like a rite of passage. It's weird. It's like, yeah, we beat the crap out of you, but we respect you. So it's you, weird. You d you've developed now a, a mastermind class, and you work with realtors. Can you tell me about that? Which pastor? What do you mean? Mastermind? You have a. You were telling me that you do coaching. Oh, I do. I do. I, I I I mentor two agents right now. And what is what is it that you do? Like for people who are getting coaches now, I hear a lot about it now in like conferences that I go to. Everyone talks about these coaches that they have, and they hire coaches, hire a coach. Yeah, it's it's more of a personal development, and kind of incorporating that, like meshing it in with business business salesmanship. If you don't take care of your own insecurities, if you don't master yourself, you can't master others. You have to master yourself first. Actually, one of the things that I teach my my uh, two mentees, it is highly, highly awkward at first. I mean, that's self-admitted. Um, but I make them do it like two, three times a week. Um, I ask them to go to like, when before you take a shower, you're co you need to be completely unclothed, obviously, but nobody around you. You're living with a husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, Get them hell away from you for like five minutes. Completely unclothed, I want you to stare into a, the mirror. And I want you to point out something about your body that you feel very insecure about. If somebody brings it up, you get very agitated. But only you know about it. And argue with yourself in the mirror. One person's attacking your body. The other person is justifying it mm. or protecting it. Mm. The purpose behind that unorthodox style is the fact that if I mastered the insecurity, something about my body, myself, nothing you can say that, hurt, that would hurt me. It's like growing a thicker skin. Exactly. Oh, God. <clears throat> There's yeah. no such thing as, I mean, you can, the only time that I, I mean, you can ask my wife this. I mean, I, I'm, I mean I'm very comical, but at the same time, I do have a you know, angry side. Um, but that angry side is more of over of, I can, you, I mean, you can say whatever you want to me. You can say, you can cuss me out. You can yell at me. I don't care. But if you, for whatever reason, hurt one hair on my wife's arm, I'll make it my life's mission to put you in the oh, ground. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. <laughs> Not like sweet, like you're going to hurt someone, but sweet because uh, loving. And it's, I think that's really nice. I, I don't I don't allow any kind of uh, disrespect toward my wife for whatever that's reason. True. Me. Gates open. Do whatever you want. Well, I mean, disrespect <laughs> shouldn't be given to any form any type of person. Now, can you just share some of the things that you talk about with your mentees, coach them with, help them with? Can you share something that somebody who's listening can apply to their business or even their personal business or their personal development? I'll speak for myself. I love on this personal development journey that I'm on. I love it. I can talk to people for uh, for about it for however much time. I'm creating a space around it and I take that time to myself daily. I like it. <clears throat> well, if it works for you, that's good. It's a one day at a time thing. It is a one is. day at a time thing. 
That's the thing is. that I tell these mentees all the time. I said, look, you, you guys see my, you know, oh, 500 million, you guys, that's freaking amazing. Doesn't mean you're gonna do it within an instant. You need to write down your goals of where you, where you see yourself in literally not even five, 10 years. I don't believe in that bullshit. In my opinion, what is the successful, let's say if I use, if I use you, for example, as an example, what is the successful Jessica Fury look like? Thank like you the, for saying my last name correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Furley. <laughs> oh my God. It bothers me. It drives me crazy. You know, but, I, I, I think like I'll speak only for myself for this. I'm still, still growing something that I really want to grow. Everyone grows. And I'm still pulling so many weeds back, but I'm, I would say that because I take time to myself daily and I find personal development to be a value in my life. My vision is so clear that I have to actually take a step back and not try to give myself so much resistance on why am I doing so much and give me a fucking outcome for something. So I have to constantly know that my vision is so clear and I take time daily. I practice that through meditation and, and working out that it just gets clear and I get grounded. The more clear I become, the more grounded I become, the more grateful I also become. And that's work for me every day, every day. So I think it's cool that you do bring that up with the people that you're working with to have those goals for five years. Is that what you talk well, about? Well, I tell them about like, what is the successful person look like? For example, if I say, let's say about you, or let's say it's about me, let's put switch it on me. When I was starting out on this, I was like, what does a successful, when I say successful, I'm talking about where's the best jewelry, the best shoes, the clothes, the car, the house, the houses, the portfolio. What is the real ideal successful Raz look like? What does he smell like? How does he walk? What does he wear? What is, how does he talk? Does he take a separate, different breaths between his words? I mean, that detail, that position. When I have that image of myself, of what that person really looks like, that manifestation is stuck in the back of my mind every time I go out and try to get a job or do a job. So every time I think of how people say, think of a new business every minute, think of a new creative way to get a client. This way didn't work. Okay, well, stop doing it that way. It's fucking annoying. I've seen agents before like, oh yeah, I've been doing this for five years. I've only closed like four escrows. But some people, some people don't operate well doing the calls doing the phones on the call, doing Don't the do calls it. on the phone. But when you said master the selling on the phone, and I'm sure you can talk more about that, but just keeping you on topic of what you're talking about, sticking to what works is what I'm hearing. Like stick to what works. Stick to what works, but at the same time, figure out different other ways that will also work. Mm. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You want to separate, diversify. And you want to see which one works with that. And, oh, this avenue, I'm making, getting clients. This avenue, I'm getting clients. For example, I can't talk to a 2,000 square foot, you know, $1.2 million homeowner the same way I would if I was talking to a South African billionaire, which was looking at that house, that $87 million property. It's a different uh, jargon I'm going to be using. It's different. The 2,000 square foot one, I'll be like, look, save money this way. Talk to this guy and do this and do this. And you can get your furniture from Ikea or Ashley Furniture. That's gonna be more, you know, cost, you know, affordability for, for your paycheck because you're not making that much. However, if it goes to my 87 million, you know, that, that South African billionaire, well, where can I get designs from? Where can I get furniture from? There's one place in particular. Talk to my wife, she works there. 
He's like, where is that? I'm like, it's in West Hollywood. It's called Visionaire. Visionaire does high-end, super luxury high-end imported from Italy. They make their own furniture, for Christ's sakes. Mm. They put it in all these $100 million properties. Now, that guy would be more inclined to buy this because when I say expensive, I mean, they have a nightstand, like a, a little gold leaf that you put on your nightstand about maybe a yard high, like three feet high. <laughs> you can get it from HomeGoods for 12 bucks, or you can get this one, which is solid gold, and you get it for 5000 <clears throat> so difference of who you want who you who you want to contact but i'm tired of seeing agents i can't find any clients where can these clients where does aaron kerman Maurizio umansky where do they get their clients from they're in the place where the clients are they're at farmers markets they're at freaking vons they're shopping out they're going to gold's gym or going to freaking you know they're going to the gym equinox or whatnot meeting clients there going to uh, chamber of commerce circles they're going in and getting asked by friends of friends that they and by the way all these rich people, all they have is rich friends. You land one, you're set. Why don't you go to the beach by yourself? Oh, no, I feel weird. I don't want to drive the Malibu for 45 minutes and just sit on the beach like an idiot. Why? You never know who's sitting next to you. No one's going to come to your house and say, please, represent me. Because there's like 50 agents for each house in California. That's a competition. But I want you because uh, I got that gut feeling. I um, worked with AKG and Aaron is a personal friend of mine. And I remember he was saying in a meeting one time, because people always ask him, how do you get all these clients? And I can't, and people will also say, I can't afford to join. So I can't afford to join social clubs like Soho house and country club. And he said, first of all, gyms, you can go to a gym. It's $25 a month. Mm -hmm. I go to Gold's Gym in Venice. I pay $19.99 every two weeks at the Mecca. I think it's different now, but the Mecca is, there's a lot of very known people and a lot of people that I've met, a lot of people there. Social groups. A lot of social groups are free. Some social groups that are within the town or different recovery groups. And he spoke about that. He's like, there's so many different groups. People just think that you immediately have to go to like one particular place like Soho House or Bel Air Bay Club like you know so I think that even when he he and I spoke specifically about it he was like pick a few things that you want your business to be uh, pick a few clients that you want to work with just pick a few of them don't pick a bunch of them just pick a few of them and find out where those people go don't stalk them, but find out what they do. Like if they live in Brentwood, if you want to be in Brentwood, then spend more time in Brentwood. Just spend more time in the community. Just spend time in the community. Get to know the people in the community. Eat at the restaurants. Communicate with the people that are that are cashiers. Introduce yourself. And, and that was advice that he gave to me. And it just made sense because he was like, I get it. We want a, a, a whole book of wealthy people, but it's like, you know, where do you want to put yourself into the community? Like, keep the community in mind. Get your name out there by being in, in the community. See, I, I agree with that 100%. And to piggyback off of that, I actually did this once and it landed me that big client for the $68 million property. And, okay. So I'm giving out one of my secrets, <laughs> literally. I like secrets. I want I want. Okay, so, there to be secrets so people keep listening to Dumb Girl Podcasts. Well, let's see. <laughs> Avra Restaurant. I love Avra. Okay. So one of the uh, managers, Jessica, also named Jessica, 
and I got I was really cool with her and I said look here's my number do me a favor do, you, do me a favor I lend a client from here I'll give you prop my, my profit I'll give you part of it and she goes like what do you want me to do I said well whenever you have a reservation from a celebrity or somebody that's a VIP that you know is a VIP like a wealthy business owner or whatnot obviously they're gonna have a reservation they're not gonna just walk in you let me know when they're in the restaurant and he goes like you're gonna you're driving like an hour to get here i said i know that just let me know and he goes she goes like okay after a few times a few times a few times and that 68 million dollar property happened wait so wait you then showed up at avra i showed up at avra and you walked right up down. to the table oh i sat down i ordered a meal they sat me next to them and so they were talking 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 and while just eating by myself you know pretending like i'm texting somebody but i'm really just texting my wife i uh chimed in in our conversation they were talking with each other about oh we know we want to build on this property build here whatever and i said well i do have a developer friend of mine that builds like 150 properties in malibu right now on land and he goes like oh are you a developer and i'm like no i'm i own a property inspection company but i do a lot of high-end properties or when i was like oh like which one i'm like well i did this sarbone property i did the one that's um forgetting the other one's names the sarbone is only because it was that house is a complete disaster that's the only one that stuck in my head wow. all the other properties i they were decent but and they just came out to me goes like what i mean okay uh do you have do you live around here i'm like oh no no, no. i inspect the mansions i don't buy the mansions <laughs> i live an hour away from here <laughs> and they just got my number and they're like yeah you're really cool what properties have you can i see your ig i'm like yeah go on inspector underscore raz check it out and they went on there like, oh my God, you've done all these properties? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know Aaron? I'm like, yeah, you know Mauricio? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do all, I do it all with them. <clears throat> and uh, he was just, it was like, okay, well, we're looking at this property. I'm like, okay, you guys want me to come with you or you want me to do the inspection? It's like, well, is it okay if you come with us? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I walked in with them when they were doing a private showing of that property. So I looked around, I'm like, nice, nice. And they were telling me like, well, we wanna like maybe, is, is this load-bearing wall, can we move it or whatnot? I'm like, you can always move a load-bearing wall. You just have to put an exposed support beam across it. And if you if it's a white wall, it would be better be a dark chocolate color to do a, a contrast in the property. You don't want to look at an eyesore of just nothing but white. It looked like a mental asylum. <laughs> so, and uh, he started laughing and he just goes like, okay, okay, cool, cool. There's a place you can meet people. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they're rich, I'll, I'll start acting crazy to you. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah but then yeah afterwards uh, the week later he hired me to do the inspection and that was a $27,000 inspection that's amazing yeah that's amazing and and that tip I was like oh this is like a dumb oh, yeah. girl exclusive. Oh, I, I gave that manager I gave her five grand yeah and that's I mean so I was like thank you and she was like all right let's do it again I'm like yeah, let me know <laughs> yeah of course I think that's so great I am so grateful that first of all, you were the person that came up to me. You came up to me so randomly at an open house. I went to a twilight. I was so tired. Sometimes I'm just like so tired, but I have to always remind myself that, and there's this book with Ed Milet and it's called The Power of One More. But there's a couple other motivational people that do talk about this, that sometimes as tired as I am, that even when I want to just chill with the dog and just decompress, if there's something that's going on, it's a networking event and it's 30 minutes, even if it's 30 minutes, mm -hmm. even if it's 30 minutes that I show up, I know that my goal and I tell myself, and there was a reason why I went there because I wanted to make sure that I was in front of somebody that I knew was going to be there and I needed to be there more at the earlier time 
when there wasn't a lot of people. And I wanted to make sure I walked right up to that person and I introduced myself and I make small talk. And that's something that I do when I, as tired as I was, I was like, I'm going to do you this because- You didn't look tired at all. <laughs> like, at all. Like, you're, you're, Welcome you're to the world like, of being a woman with makeup. <laughs> maybe I need some makeup. So um, you, I went there yeah. and I wanted to meet someone specific and that's the reason why I went there. And I, I wasn't even there for that long. But you, then you came up to me and we made this connection. I think it's because I'm a redhead. I'm enough to have it all. Had you been like a brunette, I would have been like, ass. <laughs> then I would be cheering. <laughs> JK. Raz, you are so, you you show up, and I think you do so much more than just showing up. You give people their time, and you're so fucking helpful. You're so Appreciate helpful. It. I'm like, oh my God, like, not only did I know like what I knew about inspections, but I'm like, there are so many ins and outs where realtors and inspectors and relationships become so important. So I, important, like, and a continuation to maintain those relationships as opposed to just like, yeah, I work with this dude where it's like, you never know. Maintain that connection and, and maintain that relationship. Meet. I care about, that's the point. I care about relationships. The money is a cherry on top. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, for I sure. care about the relationship. Case in point, I did an inspection for um, Rob Lowe's youngest son recently. And actually met a, about a month and a half ago. That's the first time I did the inspection for him. It was a property in Las Feliz. Um, he didn't go through with it because it was a complete shit show. And uh, I told him, I said, look, I don't want to, I can take your money right now and walk away. I'm giving you a solid report. But I'm only here, but I only, you only wanted me to check the roof, the attic, and the foundation. So I brought my foundation guy. I said, I want to be super thorough. I can go in there and do it. It's not a problem. But my guy is licensed foundation contractor and an inspector. He's the best. His name is Max McDade from LA Structural LLC. He's literally the best in, on the planet when it comes to foundations. He's my guy for my own properties. He came out and goes like, yeah, your foundation is going to cost like roughly forty-five dollars to $65,000 to replace, to do it all over. And he only has $200,000 to repair cosmetic stuff. So that took out like a major portion. Mm. Roof needs to be changed out. Attic needs to be changed out. Forget about the inside. And inside has to be all bulldozed to the ground. Uh, he asked me, he goes, Ras, what do you think? Should I be, on your honor? I'll be, be honest? It's like, I already talked with my agent, but I want to know, should I get this house or not? I'm like, look, you can talk to Mikey. And Mikey is an agent that I work with. He works with the Aaron Kerman Group. Mm. He, I'm like, brother, if it was up to me, it's too much money for this property. Mm. And look at the neighborhood you're in. Not, not. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I would have. I could have taken his cash. I didn't take his cash. He goes like, "How much do I owe you?" I'm like, eight fifty. And he goes like, "Okay, here's eight fifty. I'm like, "Take, give it to somebody that cares, bro." And he's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "I don't want your money. I'm here for thirty minutes. I don't want eight fifty. I want the long term relationship." I don't care about the cash. Yeah, that's like a month and a half later. I just did the inspection for him. Yeah, there. Uh, I can talk on the talk about this for for many many times. There is a book called The Innovative Secrets of Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs says somebody asked him when he first had the iPod why he charged what he did, and he said, "I'm I'm in it for the long term game. If I charge them so much right away, I'm gonna lose half my. I'm gonna lose someone." For one product, they're never going to buy again. I'm in mm -hmm. it for the long term. And that was something that he tied in into this book of building long-term relationships, long-term wealth, long-term success, you know, and that was kind of where he, he got like the whole iPad, iPod and Apple success and all that stuff. 
I like to leave my listeners with three questions. One of them is, what is a non-negotiable in your morning routine that sets you up for the day? Non-negotiable morning routine to set me up for the day. Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper in the morning? <laughs> We're going to have a, this conversation I'm, off. I'm a fatty air. for a reason. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Aside from real estate, there is a reason why people have continued to stay in touch with me when it came to their health and wellness and all those things. Honestly, I, I genuinely I, like to help with that stuff. I listen to motive. If it's a long drive, I listen to a lot of motivational speeches on YouTube, like I said, on YouTube, nice. but I do that in the morning. Yeah. My mind is fresh. So yeah. I'm listening to that. Or I know it's crazy. I look super white. I get it. But I listen to um, three rap groups that I pretty much grew up with. Which are? Bone Thugs and Harmony, Tupac and Biggie. It was all the dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, Salt and Pepper and Heavy D up in the limousine, hanging pictures on my wall <laughs> every Saturday. Rap Attack, Mr. Magic Marley yes. Mall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the listeners with one suggestion or a piece of advice that they can apply to their daily routine, business, and or relationship. Give everything a chance. Have no fear. And go as hard as you can as if you're literally going to die tomorrow <laughs> with that mentality. Is that your motivational speech or somebody else's? That's mine. <laughs> That's mine. You see the death part? That's a military. I'm telling you. Well, not necessarily with a death part. If you want to do it, if you want to do it more nicer, let's put it this way. If you don't to work hard today, if you don't do the things that's needed to make profit, somebody else is going to be working even harder and is going to make it. <clears throat> so when they say to fake it till you make it, I yeah. say bullshit. Yeah. I don't fake it till I make it mm -hmm. while you're faking it. I'm making it and some so go at it hardcore because if you don't make it today you don't achieve all your goals today you are going to be homeless with that fear and that mentality i light a fire under your someone's ass and go like let's go we got to get this underway you got that fury fire that's it the fury <laughs> fire <laughs> see now you will remember how people don't remember my last name they're like oh it's like a fire anyway uh i agree with you i would i definitely would say that a lot of people have told myself being newer in the business that it doesn't matter where you are just if you let someone know i will work hard for you they'll i will work hard for you i'm honest and and i'm i care i care mm -hmm. so much and people have told me that numerous amounts of time and they've been in the business for a very 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 long time and they've given me that suggestion so many times and I love and appreciate that you said that. And what are three qualities peers of yours would say about you? Brutally honest, extreme integrity, and doesn't take no for an answer. Raz, <clears throat> you're gonna get a probably at least a few calls <laughs> from this um, episode. Plug well, yourself, where can they find you? Where can they reach you? Uh, you can reach me at my direct line um, is uh, area code 626-346-8877 or you can find me on Instagram. I have two accounts, uh, one's for myself and one's for the company. It's uh, inspector underscore Raz, R-A-Z or Magnum Opus Inspections. And essentially if you just uh, go on Google and type in Magnum Opus Inspections, um, my name will pop up. Guys, he's the best. He really is, and I'm not even saying that. He he truly is the best. You can follow me at Jessica J. Fury. 
You can follow the real estate page at Jessica Fury Real Estate and support and follow the podcasts at Dumb Girl Podcasts. Thank you so much, Raz. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you.